Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, where we talk about all of that, plus a whole lot more. We talk about the million ways that our lives as women and men and parents and citizens of the world are all wrapped up with our health and our finances and our relationships and our bodies and our spirituality and our communities and our politics. It's all connected, isn't it? I mean, really, is there any way we can separate out any one of those things and say, nope, not related to my life as a mom or dad, my health has nothing to do with it, or my money is completely separate from my parenting and the way I raise my kids? Kind of ridiculous, right? It's all connected. It's all interwoven. And one thing impacts all the rest of it. So that's what we talk about here on the podcast, all that and then some. Now, if you are a new listener, a newly pregnant woman or a new parent, welcome. We've been expecting you. Now, I'd like you to go back, listen to some of our earlier episodes. Geez, we've got 145 of them now. And you're going to get all kinds of information related to your prenatal care, your birth education, your postpartum period, your life as a new parent. Um, But you'll also get so much more. You'll get a basic primer on how we're all related and how it's all interconnected and how politics, yes, actual politics, government and all that impacts so many daily events that we take part in as parents. Um, Also, if you're brand new here and you're just finding us, go pick up a copy of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy. Um, That's your primer. Uh, and it'll give you all the information that you need to navigate a healthy pregnancy and birth. Uh, and it's kind of the start of this big, big long conversation we, we've been having for a few years now. So it's September, which is one of the months when the most babies are born in the year. August is the second, I believe. And if you think back a ways, you know, you'll think about the holiday season and cold weather and storms and hurricanes and snow days you know, cozy occasions for celebrating, which means August and September are big time baby months. I have a September child myself, just saying. Uh, Here's the thing about September birthdays, though. It really uh, can have an impact on your child's academic life. It's all about the kindergarten cutoff date. Now, in some states, a child has to be five by September 1st or September 10th or some hard date. You know, in other states, they don't have to be five until December or something. But, you know, if you've got a state that has a hard date in September, you know, it could be that your September baby could be among the youngest or the oldest in hers or her class. And depending on your child and their readiness for school, that could be great, or it could be a real disaster, you know, or or maybe not a disaster, but just something that kind of drags on them. You know, maybe your child is four and a half or four and three quarters and starting school with some almost six-year-olds. Your child could be, you know, that, you know, that that's a really big age gap at that age. And some kids struggle with that throughout their entire academic careers simply because, you know, by being the youngest in the class, say, um, they're always a bit developmentally younger or less mature, and they're always pushed to achieve beyond their years. And that can have an impact, you know? And of course, if they're the oldest in the class, you know, they may lean towards natural leadership. Um, 
and they may be acknowledged for learning a little more easily and behaving more appropriately than some of the younger children. And they may get special privileges because of that. But then, of course, you know, they could be one of the older children who's just naturally a little bit less mature and they get pushed a little too hard because, you know, people expect them to be older than they are. They might get bored if their classes are geared to accommodate the younger children more than the older ones. And, but, you know, for all of that, I think that the age gap might be most significant in a child's, you know, middle school and high school years. Think back. I mean, remember, it's so tough to be the youngest or the oldest or the most or least physically developed in middle school years. Oh my God, when everybody's already looking at you, everybody, every, you know how that is. So awkward. And then, of course, when you get into high school, some of the really tough and dangerous choices kids face, they kind of require a level of maturity and experience in life. And you know, no small amount of prefrontal cortex development in order to, you know, avoid the biggest mistakes. And I can see a lot of advantages to having your senior in high school be a little bit on the older end of the year, you know, a little older when he or she has to make those choices. There's an advantage there, I think. Now, you know, I'm not really advocating for having you start your child's education sooner or later. And I don't really mean to rile you up and worry you about a September baby. It all really depends on you and your child and your your family, plus the education system you have available to you, right? It's just something that September parents think about. Anyway, um, <clears throat> what else? Well, in the news, Hurricane Florence. Oh my gosh, this one is gearing up to be the mother of all storms. And you know, we keep saying that. We keep saying the mother of all storms. Um, that's a metaphor for power, isn't it? And then we get one that's even bigger. Mothers grow, don't they? Now, if you and yours are in the path of this dangerous storm, I hope to God you're evacuated, especially if you're pregnant or have little ones. And I hope you have shelter and access to a hospital with electricity and water and lights and staff and a few good generators for backup. Yes, even here in America, the lights go out, the electricity goes down, hospitals get flooded, heroes bring out their iPhones to hold up for light for late night births. Now, remember back during Hurricane Sandy, which hit the East Coast, packed such a wallop just a few years back, I interviewed doctors in New York who worked side by side with nurses and technicians and administrators and um, you know, they work together as teams to transfer patients to safer floors and to safer facilities and to set up shop in areas where power could be restored and to deliver babies, even when the hurricane shut down the power. These kinds of crazy powerful events just go to show, you know, how nature is a leveling, it levels the playing field between doctors and administrators and nurses and technicians. And it brings out heroes in everyone. And it also just goes to show there is no messing with mother nature. She'll throw you a hurricane and make your labor start, even though the subway's flooded and the streets are flooded and there's no power at the hospital, even if you could get there. Take that, have your baby anyway, as if you could stop it. That's the power of mother nature and nothing's more powerful. I suspect we're going to have a few babies named Florence who will have really profound birth stories. <clears throat> For the rest of their lives, they'll be able to say, I was born during a hurricane. How badass is that? Songs are written about stuff like that. 
Okay, so I think that's enough of a ramble for this week, don't you? Let's take a short break here and then let's come right on back for our guest. We're back and this week we're going to talk about food again and about the ways women can eat to feel their best and fuel their bodies during pregnancy and the postpartum period and breastfeeding. And you know, for for many women, many women, pregnancy is really the first time in their life that they really give much thought to how they eat, you know, and and specifically about the cellular impact that food makes on their bodies. Um, you know, they become pregnant and, you know, before pregnancy, they could eat whatever they wanted. It didn't really matter. They didn't really notice how they felt. And then they become pregnant and they become acutely aware that every bite they eat has an impact on them and also nourishes their baby. And it's their baby that focuses their attention on the way they eat. But it's my hope and goal to encourage women to focus on their own nutrition long before and long after they're making babies, simply because it's what you need to do for your body, which has its own value, its own joys, its own challenges, triumphs, pleasures, aches, and goals. Your body is important for your entire life. And if pregnancy doesn't teach you this, then you're going to learn it at some point that the way you eat is directly connected to the way your body functions. If you eat good, you feel good, look good, work good, do good. If you eat bad, disease, dysfunction, and bodies that don't operate the way they're supposed to. Now, this week's guest is going to talk about food, diet, and how to eat in a way that gets a lot of women's attention. Cassie Bjork is a registered dietitian and author of the best-selling book, Why Am I Still Fat? She's also a sought-after speaker. She co-hosted a podcast for three years and is now a frequent guest for top media outlets and podcasts. Her media appearances include CBS, ABC, WSCCO, Fox News, CNN, Time, Parade, Cosmo. Whew, there's more. There's a whole lot more. Let's just get Cassie on the line. Hi, Cassie. It's Jeannie. How are you? Hey, Jeannie. Great. Great to be here. Yeah. Where exactly are you? Where am I finding you? <laughs> right now I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I'm actually moving to San Diego in a couple of weeks. I'm not here much longer, making a wow. big move. You sure are. Well, maybe that'll be part of your, your answer to my first question. I, I already read you know, a pretty rock and hot bio for you, which is <laughs> a concise version, it seems like, is that you're a registered dietitian and author of the best-selling book, Why Am I Still Fat? You are a speaker. You host a podcast. We'll have to talk about that. And um, you're a frequent guest in a lot of media outlets. So having summed that up in a super, super short way, who are you and what do you do? Hmm. Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, but you know, the main thing that I do is I help women who are at their wits end. And the main things they're frustrated about are their weight and those stubborn pounds that have crept on that they just can't seem to get off. And they usually also complain about their energy levels and even their confidence. I mean, these are women who are super successful as moms and sometimes career women, women like in a lot of areas of their life. But they just can't figure out how to get this, you know, 10 or five pounds off their body. And I've been working with women like this for the past 10 years. So I've got a lot of that figured out. And a lot of it has to do with 
things and factors and pieces of the puzzle that we're just not talking about enough. There's still so much talk around calories in and calories out when it comes to weight loss. And there's just so much more to it. And that's actually, Jeannie, what I wrote my book based on why am I still fat, the hidden keys to unlocking that stubborn weight loss, because there are so many of them. We can't just be looking at diet and exercise. Right, right. There's a whole lot more going on there. But when when you're not when you're not working, what's your life like? <laughs> when I'm I not always, working. Yeah. I always want my listeners to know that, you know, everybody who comes on here who's an expert has mm-hmm. a life behind the the expertise. And we're all just kind of doing the same kind of stuff. I love Let's, that you asked that because whenever I'm at a conference yeah. and someone asks me what I do, I say, what do I do? I, I like to go to the ocean. I like to run. I like to rollerblade. I like to paddleboard. And they always laugh. But really, yeah. those are the things that light me up. And that's what I love to do. And you know what I do professionally also ties in with what I like to do because one thing that I've been really practicing in my own life, especially over the past few years, is just enjoying life more and living life to the fullest. And I think so often we just get stuck in trying to figure out one problem, whether it's our weight or advancing in our career. Or, you know, for me, it was building two businesses over the past 10 years. And lately, I've just been really appreciating the small things in life. Like paddleboarding and yeah. the ocean and stuff like yeah. that. And connecting with other women. I think so many yeah. women, we just feel like we're in this life alone and, you know, vulnerability and connectedness and bonding. This is becoming a more popular thing recently. And I'm so glad that it is because as women, you know, we seek that that deep connection that we just don't find every single day. So that's something that I'm, I've been really passionate about cultivating in our community groups and also just in my own life with my own friends. I really like that policy. I think a lot of us are on the same path. And, you know, I, th- I think maybe especially right now, because it seems like everything is really hard and scary in a lot of different avenues of our lives. And a lot of us are responding to that by saying, let's have fun. Yeah. Let's, yeah. yeah. Let's just kind of like let, let loose a little bit and relax yeah. a little bit. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves, especially, you know, during pregnancy and when you have little ones and you're playing so many roles, you know, your wife and your mom and you might be career woman and your friend and your daughter. And there's just like there's so much expected of women. Yeah. And I feel like there's more and more expected of us these days. And sometimes we just got to relax and be gentle on ourselves and give ourselves a little bit of grace, too. I know. And if you feel like you need to you know, have a reason why you got to take care of yourself well, you, you can tell yourself that this is what you're modeling for your children. You want them to know that you, you play throughout your life. You relax throughout your life. Yeah. Well, and, and, and mom's not a slave. Yeah. 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 And even just like taking care of yourself, you can take care of your family and your kids so much better when you put your own health First, it's kind of like on the airplane when they tell you right. to, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first. They say that for good reason. And I think so many moms feel like they're doing their kids good if they just put their own health and their own, you know, weight and their own life on the back burner. But really, I think the opposite really needs to happen in order to show up as your best self in every area for everyone in your life. I agree. Across the board. Across the board. So I want to talk a little bit about metabolism. And this mm-hmm. is something that, you know, a lot of women have grown up being told that it's, you know, sort of a set in stone thing, like the women in our family have slow metabolisms, or, you know, you can eat anything, you have a fast metabolism, but a lot of people don't really know what we're talking about. So let's define the term for listeners. 
Yeah, totally. And I'm so glad that you that you, you know, prefaced it that way because I think so many women just think, well, as I get older, my metabolism just slows down and it doesn't have to be that way. And I get so excited talking about this because I think it's exciting knowing that there are things that we can control when it comes to our metabolism and there are actually some pretty easy ways to boost it. So, yeah, let's talk about what a metabolism actually is. So, your metabolism is how efficiently your body is able to convert the things that you're eating and drinking into energy. So how much body fat you store and how much you're able to burn is a function of your metabolism. And when you provide your body with the right types of food and calories and energy, you're actually fueling your metabolism and keeping it revved up, which gives you the right kind of energy to lose weight if you need to. And also even just to like be burning what you're putting in your body. We want to be using everything that we're putting in instead of instead of storing it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's a bit of mythology that people are born with a certain type of metabolism, mm-hmm. though there is a genetic component, right? Yeah, there are a lot of things that contribute to our metabolisms, and really the only one that we can't control is the genetic component, and there are so many other pieces of it that we can control that we can actually, in a sense, override that part of it. So I think that's the really exciting part because mm-hmm. the food that you're eating, you know, what you're drinking, even like the products that you're putting on your skin and um, the air that we're breathing and like a lot, there's just so many parts of our environment that we can control, the supplements that we're putting in our body. Um, all of these things will affect our metabolism. And those are things that we can control. So it doesn't have to just be, you know, just because we're getting older, our metabolism slows down or just because mom and grandma and our aunts are, you know, bigger and heavier doesn't mean that we have to be. And I think that that's really empowering for us as women to realize that. So what are the key pieces that listeners should listen to? Especially, you know, uh, my listeners are primarily either pregnant women or newly delivered moms um, and their partners. And this is a this is a time in life where for many women, it's it's really the first time that they've gained weight, you know? Or it's the first time that they've seen their body really, really change. Or, you know, for mm-hmm. pregnant, peng- pregnancy is kind of a gateway for a lot of women into how much bodies can change in a lifetime and how much we can do to support it. Totally. Well, I think one of the biggest things is we have to make sure that we're eating in a way of supporting our metabolism and especially after having the baby, it can be easy to kind of get back, get into that mindset of like dieting and restricting. And, you know, if you're, if you're, especially if you're, I mean, you're a busy mom already having a baby, but if you're breastfeeding too, you're going to need a lot more calories. Um, and that's really the first thing is I would say, do not count calories. You actually want to eat more when you're on a quest to boosting your metabolism. If you're, you know, restricting or depriving or kind of getting back into like a dieting mindset that maybe you had at one time in your life, um, that's actually going to do a lot more harm than good because I like to think about our metabolism as a fire. If we're putting wood into the fire, the fire keeps burning. But the second we take away the wood, it starts dwindling and, and eventually it just totally burns out. And your metabolism is the same way. If you if you start to restrict it and deprive it of the energy and the calories that it needs, then it's not going to work for you. But if you put in plenty of energy and the good types of energy, which we can get to in a second here, then your your metabolism is going to burn and it's going to work. And it, that's when you feel great. And when you deprive your body, that's when you feel tired and irritable Mm -hmm. and have 
crazy cravings and you're moody mm-hmm. and have headaches. And especially as women who are pregnant or have just had a baby, your hormones are likely all over the place. And we really mm-hmm. don't want to be depriving your body of anything that it needs because, you know, you just grew a human, which is amazing. And your body really needs, you know, all the nutrients and calories that it can get to replenish everything that it's given away. And if you're breastfeeding, you know, you're, you're still giving away a lot of your nutrients. Um, and it's really important to replenish all that. So first thing is, you know, to boost your metabolism, you want to make sure you're eating enough. And then when it comes to like what kinds of calories kind of leads into that next question, um, a big, two of the really big ones we want to be focusing on are protein and fat. And I think that, so I always like to say PFC, so not KFC, but PFC, protein, fat, and carbohydrates, trying to get in protein, fat, and carbohydrates every time you're eating. And I think that carbs are plentiful and they're really easy to grab. And especially when you have a baby and you're running around and you're busy and, you know, and and we tend to crave carbohydrates when we're hungry um, because carbohydrates turn into sugar in our body. And when our blood sugar levels are low, that's what our body wants. But it's just as important to be eating, you know, animal proteins, eggs, fish, beef, chicken, and also healthy fats like coconut oil avocados, olive oil, cheese, nuts, seeds, uh, coconut milk, because those are going to be, you know, really important for not even just your metabolism, but also for you to think clearly because your brain is made up of over 70% fat and it can be easy to, you know, kind of um, just become kind of forgetful when you have a new baby on board, especially. So you want to make sure you're focusing on protein, fat, and carbohydrates. That's, I like that PFC. Yeah, I also like like the uh, visual of burning a fire. That's a good. Yeah. yeah, and another thing, another to add on to the PFC, PFC every three. So this is actually what I tell our female clients um, when they're trying to lose weight and boost their metabolism. And it's also super important for anyone who is breastfeeding that every three part is eating every few hours. So it doesn't have to be exactly three, but it's basically eating snacks between your meals. Snacking is super super important. Um, especially on energy dense foods, because a lot of times we find, especially like with mothers who notice that um, their supply is pretty low when they're breastfeeding and they want to increase that, a lot of times they're just not getting enough food or enough calories in general. Um, and this can happen just because you're busy and you kind of forget to eat or you're just, you know, you, you think that maybe since you already had your baby, you don't need to eat as much anymore. But we really need to be focusing on getting in enough food and eating throughout the day. And then the great thing about this is it also boosts your metabolism because it keeps your blood sugar levels stable. So, you know, every three hours thinking about having a protein, having a healthy fat and having a carb. And I think some like hard boiled eggs can be a really quick, easy to grab uh, protein source or, you know, even leftovers from dinner the night before, whether it's chicken or ground beef or something like that, just to grab. And then for healthy fat, I mean, that could be, that could be nut butter, just a huge spoonful of nut butter. There's also mm-hmm. those little packets that nut butter comes in that can make it kind of easy to grab. Uh, carbs can be any type of fruit, any type of veggie, but focusing on these real whole foods is also going to be really beneficial for metabolism. If we can kind of start to eliminate some of the processed carbohydrates and sugar, and it's easier to do that when you're eating healthy fat and protein because those two keep you nice and full. Yeah, more satiating. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of women are told that the baby weight is just going to melt off after birth as long as you breastfeed, but that is just not true for every woman. (laughs) And I'm wondering why not. 
I mean, you know, every celebrity said, oh, no, I didn't do anything. I was back in my pre-pregnancy genes within 20 minutes because I breastfed. And Yeah, no. isn't that frustrating? That is just not the reality of it. When you think yeah. about it, I mean, childbirth is such a beautiful thing. And it's also it also can be quite a traumatic experience for your body. So I usually think of postpartum like healing from a really big surgery or even like a traumatic event, even though it's a beautiful event, it's also really traumatic for your body. So we really need to make sure that we're focusing on fueling our body in a way that we're helping it heal. Yeah. So one thing is that you want to make sure you're focusing on keeping your hormones balanced too, because these can be all over the place. And I'm sure a lot of the ladies listening can totally relate to some of the moodiness and cravings and you know difficulty sleeping and all the things that come with um, imbalanced hormones. And one big thing to skip for hormonal balance is soy. We really want to avoid foods with um, with you know, soy or estrogenic properties because that can really interfere with our hormones. And for a while, we were being told that soy is a health food, but it's really not. And it can actually contribute to hormonal imbalance. So that's a really good thing to remember is to avoid soy. But then also the healthy fats are important for hormonal balance as well. And so is cholesterol. So we hear a lot of mixed information about cholesterol, but it's actually really, really important for your hormones because um, your liver has to work really hard to produce cholesterol if you don't get it from your food. And cholesterol is like a building block for your hormones. So it's really helpful for your body. You're doing it a favor if you eat eggs and you eat the egg yolk and you choose healthy fats like coconut oil, olive oil, real butter, other foods with cholesterol like shrimp, you know, red meat, cheese, um, like I said, the egg yolks. And even, you know, just adding a little bit of fat every time you eat, whether it's just melting butter over your vegetables, just a couple tablespoons or, you know, something you might have heard of like people stirring coconut oil into their coffee. It's actually a really good way to get in some extra healthy fat, just a tablespoon or two. So kind of like adding in these fats every time you eat, just like a bonus tablespoon or two, that's going to be really beneficial for not just your hormones, keeping those balanced, but also your waistline and your metabolism too. And your energy level. Yeah, and your energy yeah. and your brain power, like yeah. all of these things, they all tie in. I just love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the, those are the hallmark symptoms of postpartum motherhood, fatigue and overwhelm yeah. and foggy thinking and yeah, all of that. So if you eat right, some of that's going to be alleviated. Yeah. yeah, food really plays a big role in that. And I think sometimes, you know, um, women think that they have to just step into the gym right away and start, you know, hopping on those cardio machines and burning all the calories. But the great thing is that you don't have to do that. You know, we know nowadays that food is more like, you know, 80 or 90 percent of that equation if it comes down to that um it you know you can't really out, out exercise a, a, a bad diet and mm. actually taking a break from the gym isn't a bad thing because it allows your body to heal um over exercising especially too soon can actually cause more inflammation in your body and then your body has to heal from that while it's while it's still trying to heal from you know your childbirth so it can actually be a good thing to take it easy for a little while and just be really gentle with your body while it while it heals. So if women out there are, um, you know, they're, they're listening to what you have to say and they're, they want more specific, very specific information, where do we want them to find it? Now we mentioned that you are the author of the book, Why Am I So Fat? But what else? Where else? 
So I actually put together a guide, a free guide, and it's my 5.5 ways to boost your metabolism. The the half tip is kind of a doozy. And they can find that at cassie.net slash metabolism. And I think we covered maybe the first one in on that guide, but there's several more that are really, really easy to implement uh-huh. um, that they can go through and incorporate in their life. Can we can we, you know, bullet point them real quick? Sure. Yeah. So we talked about calories and, you know, not counting calories. Um, The second one would be that PFC every three. So I guess we covered those two as well. Making sure you have protein, fat and carbohydrates every time you eat. Another one is to sleep. What you, you know, sleeping really, really is important. And I think it can, I mean, obviously it can be so difficult when you're trying to feed your baby and, you know, and, and, and you're, you're waking up during the night all the time, but really trying to get in some quality sleep can definitely keep your metabolism boosted. And it can also have an effect on your hunger levels as well, because sleep actually controls the hormones leptin and ghrelin, which determine if you're craving sugar or if you're not, or if you're satisfied. Um, so it can, it can be really important in a really big piece of the metabolism puzzle to make sure you're getting plenty of rest too. And your body can actually heal a lot better when you're sleeping, even if it's just little chunks, even if it's just when your baby is sleeping, you're sleeping and just trying to get that in. Um, Another big metabolism booster, and this one is kind of like a myth buster as well, is having a bedtime snack. So, you know, you hear the don't eat after seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night, but it's actually really beneficial for your metabolism and your sleep and your body to have a bedtime snack. The only thing that I would recommend is instead of the PFC, just the FC. So just having some fat and some carbohydrate because protein can actually interfere with your sleep because it, it boosts your metabolism so much. So a couple of my favorite bedtime snacks would be like a half of a sweet potato with a couple of tablespoons of butter melted over it, or a really quick one would be like a handful of nuts and grabbing a handful of berries. That's a really easy one. Um, if you have more time, which you probably don't, but maybe someone else could make it, would be just having a half of a pear sautéed in coconut oil over the stove. But I like the quick ones, just grabbing a handful of grapes and a handful of almonds or something like that just to get in some fat and some carbohydrate. Um, another one would be really trying to reduce your stress levels because your body is already your body is already in kind of a stressed out state as it's adjusting to new life with the baby and trying to heal. Um, and stress can actually cause you to gain weight without eating any differently. This is something that I didn't realize for a long time until I really started working with uh, a lot of women. And I saw this, that when they were stressed out, they would literally gain weight without eating any differently. And sometimes they were eating better than they've eaten in their whole life. But it's because of that stress hormone called cortisol. And when cortisol is triggered in response to just being stressed out every day, it actually acts like it's as if you're being chased by a tiger. So your body has to, you know, shoot out all of the sugar, all these blood sugars. And what happens is um, when your blood sugars rise, your fat uh, storing hormone called insulin comes out and it starts to just store all of this fat in your body. So it's really important to keep our stress levels down as much as we can. And that just means taking care of yourself. You know, my my stress uh, busting strategies aren't really rocket science, but just anytime you can, just trying to give yourself a little break, you know, journal if you can, meditate, lay on the floor, you know, snuggle with your baby, take a bath, just little things that you can incorporate during the day um, to just kind of like, you know, be kind to yourself and practice a little bit of that self-care. My favorite instant stress busting tip is three deep breaths. 
no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, just take three deep breaths and you'll notch it down a little. That's what you can do instantly until you get to the bathtub. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I do like a one minute meditation sometimes where I just set my timer for 60 seconds. Kind of a similar thing, but it just helps you like recenter, reset and just breathe a little bit because so often as women, it's like we forget to breathe (laughs) and it's not something that we really have to think about. But I think when we do, it helps us just connect back to the moment and to our bodies and to being present instead of just, you know, running around and just letting time just fly by without even realizing it. So did we get all of the tips? I'm I'm really intrigued about the half tip that you said was a doozy. So the half tip, and this is a really big one, especially, you know, both for pregnancy and for postpartum, is supplementing wisely. This is this is like the half tip, but it probably should count as more than a half tip because there are so many nutrients that your body needs and, and helping it, like assisting it by taking these nutrients specifically can really help you heal a lot quicker. So a few of, I think, the top ones that are crucial, both during and after pregnancy, um, omega-3s, and this doesn't always have to be in the form of vitamins or supplementation. It can also be really focusing on foods that are high in these. So this would be like organic grass-fed beef or fish or seafood has the omega-3s. And I would say, too, the issue with fish is everyone's always concerned with, you know, mercury, which is a known neurotoxin. So a lot of people are scared because they don't want to harm their baby, which is really a legit fear. And it's also a little bit misguided, not super validated. Um, the concern with mercury is really with the really, really big fish like swordfish and shark. But with salmon and tuna, there's not usually much of a concern of high mercury count unless you're eating like several servings every single day. And actually also most fish contain high amounts of selenium, which binds to the mercury and prevents it from being absorbed. So I would say, you know, we, we always recommend that, you know, the, the benefit from these omega-3s really outweighs the risk. So making sure you're getting in lots of omega-3s. Um, vitamin D is also a really important one. It's a really easy supplement to take. And it's important to have on our radar because it can be really defeated in pregnancy, um, especially if your pregnancy is in the winter. And um, also our vitamin D needs increase during breastfeeding as well. And this is one that you can get checked, you know, by your doctor. A lot of times they'll tell you they want it to be between 20 and 80. Um, ideally, we really want it a little bit higher, like between 50 and 80. So the upper part of that range. And this is one of those things that's really going to affect moods. So if you're noticing that, you know, you're just kind of having that postpartum depression or you're just really moody, your vitamin D level might be low and it's, it's worth getting checked out. We usually recommend, you know, starting with supplementing with at least 20 to 30,000 IUs a day um, for several months. And if you get it checked out, it can it can be a better kind of baseline of where exactly you should start with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And if you live in the Pacific Northwest, like I do, virtually everybody needs a vitamin D supplement. We don't don't do much sunshine here. We do gloom. (laughs) We do gloom. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Totally. You know, another thing, too, is probiotics. Uh Um, Especially during the third trimester of pregnancy, preparing for delivery, your baby's going to get a really good dose of good bacteria um, through the birth canal. So just really making sure mom is getting good bacteria. And if deciding to breastfeed, that's going to give the baby really good immune benefits as well. So taking, you know, taking probiotics every day is a really, really good thing you can do for yourself and for your baby. All right. Well, yeah, I want to help boost metabolism and we always like to boost your metabolism and energy. So that's a good one for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Metabolism, metabolism is sort of the little engine that could. 
<laughs> it totally is. Yeah, and I just love it because a lot of these things are just really quick, easy things you can do to boost your metabolism. And even when it comes to exercise, like once you're healed and ready to get moving again, you only need like five to 10 minutes to really get a good metabolism boosting exercise every day. And I think for so long, we've been told we've just got to go on these treadmills and ellipticals and just go for hours at a time. But if you're doing some of the high intensity, you know, like jumping jacks and lunges, or even like, you know, running up and down the stairs, really five to seven minutes, that boosts your metabolism a lot. You don't need to get to a gym for like an hour, you know, on the machine. You can do these types of things at home. And I think that's exciting and really empowering. Yeah, I do too. And it's it's kind of, you know, like literally you can do this at home. There isn't really any excuse, you know? You can yeah, do it. You yeah. can do it. Yeah. You don't yeah. even have to leave the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But even better if you do. I mean, I'm always telling women, get your exercise outside if you can. Put on your sneakers. If you have that newborn, pop up, pop him and her in the baby carrier or in the stroller and just go outside. Get some exercise. It's the least And even better, meet do. with another meet with another mom or a friend. So you can get yeah. that connection, that in-person human connection as well. Because I think that's something that we miss out on a lot when we're just in the house, especially with a new baby. It's so isolating sometimes. And it kind of rounds us back up to what we started with, talking about the fun factor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is it can be so overwhelming and stressful. There's so much information and mixed information out there for new moms. And I think just, you know, trying not to stress about it, you know, learning as much as you can, doing the best that you can, but nobody's going to be perfect. And you know, I think I think there's so much out there that just bringing it back to the basics and doing your best, that's really all you can do. And that's enough. And giving yourself grace for that, too. I agree. Well, we only have you for another minute or two. So I want to ask you my last two questions. But yeah. before that, let's just tell people once again where they can find you and the information that they need. Yeah. So Cassie.net. That's where the party is at. (laughs) And I'm on all the social media sites. It's Cassie.net, but it's spelled out like D-O-T-N-E-T on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all those places. Got it. Got it. So how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Hmm. Nobody ever told me that I had as much power as I do over my weight and my life. And that's kind of a loaded, that's kind of a loaded answer. I think that um, it just goes back to even when I was in school to be a dietitian, I gained 20 pounds because I was following all of the dieting rules, you know, the low fat, low calorie, eat less, exercise more. And I thought I was doing everything right and I wasn't and it didn't work for me. And nobody ever told me that I would have the type of control over my weight and my life that I do now from breaking a lot of these dieting rules and just bringing things back to the basics. And that's actually Mm -hmm. why I'm really passionate about doing what I do now because so many women feel like failures because they followed all this flawed information when it comes to dieting and their weight. And it really affects their life and their confidence so negatively. Um, And I just wish someone would have told me, you know, it doesn't have to be this way and that I would have control over my weight and my life. Yeah. If most of us ate the way that our great-grandmothers ate, we'd, have been, oh, we'd be fine. Exactly, yeah. Jeannie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But our great-grandmothers didn't eat organic food. All food was that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and know? they ate lots of good fats. They didn't cook with margarine. It made oh, in a lab. Man. They used real butter. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know it. I know. Our great-grandmothers had it going on. They were smarter than us. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, then my last question for you and answer this any way you want. Where are you in your life in terms of motherhood? And that can be professionally, personally, your neighbor, whatever you want. You know, I'm at a place where I'm actually excited about it. It's not happening for me yet. I'm in my 30s. And for a while, I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to be a mom. I was so focused on building my businesses and my career. And just over the last year or so, I've started to really get excited. And I think after working with so many women and helping them conceive and with healthy pregnancies, and I think just getting to, I don't know, maybe there's something that switched inside of me that's like, you know what? I think I'm ready for this at some point, ready or not, I guess. And not quite yet, but I'm excited to get there at some point whenever that time is for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to be. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Cassie, it's been really fun to talk to you about this. And, you know, I know that my listeners are saying, but we talk about this stuff a lot. And you know why, listeners? It's because it's really important to us. (laughs) It's really important. Our bodies have to last us our entire lives and we want it to be strong fit, healthy, capable, able to do whatever we want it to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's really empowering to know that there are things that you can do for your body that can change your whole life. Yeah, it really can. Yeah. All right, Cassie, it was good talking to you. Let's talk again down the road. Thanks, Jeannie, for having me on. This was fun. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said, Mama said, Our guest today was Cassie Bjork, registered dietitian, and you can learn more about her over at Cassie with an I dot net, C-A-S-S-I-E dot net. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com, J-E-A-N-N-E, Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R dot com. As always, I want you to go pick up a copy of my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, wherever you get them. And I want you to leave a review of the podcast so other mothers can find us more easily. Ask me your questions at gene at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at genefaulkner. And let me know if you want to sponsor or advertise on Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. We are produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is part of the Parents on Demand Network, where you can find all kinds of parenting podcasts all in one spot. That's P-O-D, Parents on Demand Network.